Welcome to Question Period. I'm Evan Solomon. Today on the program, Power Broker. We're absolutely open to voting against throne speech if it doesn't include some of the priorities that uh, we know that Canadians need. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh threatens not to support the Liberals if they don't deliver on his demands. But can the NDP really afford another election? And does Justin Trudeau even need their support? NDP leader Jagmeet Singh joins us with his plan, and then East versus West. If they are trying to create an oil state in Western Canada, they cannot expect any help from us. With Western premiers threatening to copy the Bloc Quebecois separatist tactics, the Bloc hits back. Is it all reckless grandstanding, or is provincial alienation the biggest problem to face Justin Trudeau? Former Liberal Premier Kathleen Wynne and former Conservative Industry Minister James Moore weigh in. Plus, no deals? It's up to Mr. Trudeau to find common ground to get his throne speech passed. After opposition leaders met with Justin Trudeau, there are still no deals and lots of distrust. Will the government change key policies to win critical support? What do they keep and what do they compromise? Cabinet Minister Jonathan Wilkinson joins us. All that plus the coming cabinet shuffle. Will Trudeau's new team be up for the job? Lisa Raitt and Denny Codera join us on the Scrum. This is Question Period. Let's go get some answers. Don't call it a showdown, but when NDP leader Jagmeet Singh met with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau on Thursday, Mr. Singh had a message. The NDP may not support the coming speech from the throne unless, well, unless what? What does the NDP want from a minority liberal government? And do they have any political leverage, or can Mr. Trudeau simply call their bluff? Let's find out. Joining me now is NDP leader Jagmeet Singh. First of all, great to see you. Good to see you, too. Let's start. One of your priorities clearly was universal pharmacare mm -hmm. and dental care. You met with Mr. Trudeau. What did he make any promises on that? He didn't, but he showed an openness. And I, and I want it to be really clear for me the, and for Canadians to make sure that their lives are better. The plan that we need to go forward with is a universal single payer public Pharmacare for all. That's really important. So he had said and that, right? Like he, they'd had a plan. They'd studied it. The difference was the NDP wanted it quicker than the Liberals. Did he say, I'll, I'll, I'll up the timeline? Because clearly you guys are allied on that. Well, they haven't yet committed publicly to the, their own report, the Hoskins report, right. which states it should be public and single-payer, meaning that it should cover everyone in this country. It should be delivered by uh, our government, and meaning that if you go and get medication in our country, you should use your health card, not your credit card. That's what we want to see happen. And he seemed open to it, but didn't commit to it yet. I'd like to see him commit to that openly. Okay. Uh, Commit is an interesting moment. If he does not commit, he said, you know, we're going to study it. We're committed to the idea of it, which is what they've said. Uh, if he doesn't give you solid timeline and money, do you support? Is that a, an orange line? Do you say, no, I cannot support the speech? <laughs> well, of I appreciate that you said orange line. That's a good one. Okay. <laughs> I got to start using that one. Well, I haven't, I'm not going to make any decisions now. What I'm going to do is hear the, the throne speech and basically hear what he has to say. Uh, I want to be constructive, but I also want to be very firm. I'm here to deliver for Canadians and to fight for them. And that means not just a universal pharmacare. I want to see timelines. I want to see some real concrete commitments. I also want to see an openness to a national dental care. But what uh, what does people that mean? have told me okay, that they, they want that, that mean, they need though? it. So openness, like, like openness is a great word. But, I mean, this is a minority government. Will you support a liberal government if they have no firm timelines on pharmacare, if they have no firm timelines on dental care, but they just give you some... 
you know, verbiage bath saying we're open to it, Mr. Singh, and here, bathe in that for a while. No, no, I want, I want something concrete. I want something concrete. I'm, I'm here to fight for Canadians, and that means delivering something concrete for Canadians. Liberals are good at saying nice things, and, and I have no criticism of Mr. Trudeau when it comes to saying right. the right things. My criticism is that the Liberal government hasn't really done the right thing. So and give him something So I, I want him to make sure he delivers on something that's concrete that will improve people's lives. Or you don't vote for the speech from the throne? Well, I've made it clear that if I don't see that openness and that willingness to work, I'm prepared to vote against it. But it's more important for me, though, okay. to find ways to work together. I'm not yeah. looking for an I opportunity to tear things apart. I'm actually looking for opportunities where we can work constructively. Let, let me go on pipelines. Mm. They're committed to Trans Mountain Pipeline. They've said it countless times. They're dealing with a prairie alienation issue that is dramatic, and you've heard what Jason Kenney in Alberta and Premier Scott Moe in Saskatchewan have said. They want a guaranteed on the Trans Mountain Pipeline. They want them to rip up what they call the No Pipelines Bill, the new environmental assessments for natural resource projects. They want that done. He's got to placate those voices. Those are Canadians. But you're saying don't. What if he does that? Well, what I'm saying this is that people are feeling neglected and ignored by Ottawa. It's clear, and we see that in, in many provinces. And to solve that problem, uh, what conservative premiers are doing is distracting from the real problem, the healthcare system, the education system, and jobs that aren't there. I want to see commitments at the federal level to help all those folks that are worried about their future. But Jason we need Kenny to see those real commitments. guys like you would be the problem, not just Justin Trudeau, because you want to kill pipelines. You don't want the Trans Mountain Pipeline. You want more environmental assessments on those projects. They say that will kill their economy. They're looking at you as the chief, one of the chief architects of the alienation. What's your response to that? Uh, he's wrong. I mean, if you look at uh, Alberta, Alberta needs uh, some diversification. They need to be an economy that's not subject to the whims of one commodity that might go up and down in price and that could completely upturn their economy. If Saudi Arabia, for example, or any other oil-producing nation outputs... Uh, cheap right. oil massively, they're going to flood the market and make it no longer profitable for their province. What they need to do is this. They need to be committed to job creation. They need to be committed to making sure they have a diverse economy that creates real opportunities that aren't subject to the global whims of a market but, that can go but, volatile up and down. But are you, let me call it, fed-splaining how to handle their resources to the provinces? Because you know that's not going to go over very well. Oh, this guy in Ottawa is going to tell us how to manage our economy when we've got massive job losses and a price problem and we can't build pipelines. Now you're saying, by the way, go diversify. Well, I mean, they all know that that's the reality. The, the reality right. is if you want a stable economy, it can't be based on one commodity. There's, the workers of that province deserve a lot better. They need to see real commitments right. to investing in an economy that's going to be long-lasting, sustainable, where there's jobs that will be there that are good-paying, that are not subject to busts and booms. That's what economies have faced in, in Alberta and Saskatchewan for far okay. too long. They need to, they need to, be, to do better. I've got to ask you uh, a bit about the balance of power. Because you've made all these demands. And some people say, you've got a pair of twos in your hand and you're pretending it's a royal flush. And he's just going to call your bluff. I don't need Jagmeet Singh. He's, his party's broke. He can't go to the polls. And the Bloc Quebecois already signaled. As long as you don't tweak the nose of Quebec by you know, sticking your jurisdiction in on the secularization bill, we'll support the Liberal government. So Trudeau looks at you. He says, you know, I, I'm into some of what he says. I don't need Jagmeet saying, I'll call your bluff on your pair of twos. What do you say to that? Well, I say Canadians need us. And, and what the difference is, is that while the bloc might say they're not going to interfere, that's very different from saying, I'm fighting for Canadians. I'm fighting for universal pharmacare. I'm fighting for a national dental care. I'm fighting for things for Canadians. 
if they want to do that, they're going to need our help because we're fighting actively to make life better. One last thing. Uh, Mr. S Mr. Sheer has been asked about his personal religious views, and there's a lot of debate whether that's relevant. Uh, does he believe being gay or homosexuality is a sin? He wouldn't give a straight answer. He said he'll protect the rights of all Canadians. Uh, you're a religious Sikh. Uh, let me ask you the same question, if that's now fair territory to ask him. Do you, as a religious person, believe that being gay is a sin? Do you no. support same-sex marriage? Yes. I don't think it's a sin, and I, I support it all the way. And same on abortion yes, choice? Yes, absolutely, without and any question. And so does that jive? How, does that, how do you balance that with your personal religious beliefs or your religion's beliefs and your personal beliefs? They're completely in line. Uh, our, my beliefs spiritually are fully in line with the supporting um, same-sex marriage, uh, supporting a woman's right to choose. I have no... Uh, any sort of ambiguity with my Is personal spiritual beliefs. Is it fair to ask the personal, I'm asking you, because that's a new thing here in Canada. Is it fair to ask leaders, what's your personal belief, even though we have religious freedom to believe what we want? Uh, I think people should believe what they want. I think it gives people confidence. In, in my case, people can be very confident that yeah. both my spiritual, my personal, my beliefs as a leader are all in line with my values, which are to support a woman's right to choose, which is to support same-sex marriage, which is the fight yeah. for equality and fairness for Canadians. So people can have that confidence with me. All right. Uh, Mr. Singh, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks. All right. Coming up, the feud between Alberta and Quebec is flaring, but is it about to burn out of control into a genuine unity crisis? And what could that really mean? Special guest former Premier Kathleen Wynne and former Cabinet Minister James Moore join us next with their view. Stay right here with Question Period. If you are so opposed to the energy that we produced in Alberta, then why are you so keen on taking the money generated by the oil field workers in this province and across Western Canada? You cannot have your cake and eat it too. Pick a lane. West versus East. That's Alberta Premier Jason Kenney with a stern message for the Bloc Quebecois leader this week after Yves-Francois Blanchet accused the West of trying to create an oil state. Kenney said, support a pipeline or stop taking our money tweaked by the block, struggling with an economic downturn, a very serious one. Jason Kenney and Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe keep raising the issue of prairie alienation. But is all this really leading to a Canada with a unity crisis? Is the country really more fractured than ever, as Andrew Scheer has said? And how should Mr. Trudeau handle it all? Let's find out. Joining me now is the former Ontario Premier Kathleen Wynne. She is in Toronto. And the former Conservative Minister James Moore is with us from Vancouver. Great to see both of you. I'll start out west with uh, Mr. Moore. Let me, what do you think about this war of words between Blanchet and, and Kenny and, and where this is all leading? Well, look, I think Jason Kenney has a mandate as the Premier of Alberta to defend Alberta. And what I think is particularly obnoxious with what Mr. Blanchet said is that it's one thing for him just to assert, with 32 seats out of 78, by the way, in the province of Quebec, that he, he is a dominant voice in, Quebec, uh, in Quebec's place in Confederation. That's fine. So if they want to assert that the Energy East pipeline shouldn't happen, that's fine. If he wants to assert that in Parliament he's going to pursue a national carbon tax with some carve-out for Quebec so they get some money, that's fine. That's his perspective. But when he goes further and says that he will not support any pipelines being built to the west of Canada, to the north of Canada, or to the south of Canada into the United States, where he actually wants to use his capacity in the Parliament of Canada to obstruct Alberta's economic growth in a way that has nothing to do with the province of Quebec, then I think Jason Kenney is absolutely right to get up and stand up and defend Alberta's interests, particularly this week when it was pointed out that Quebec received you know, $12 billion in equalization from the government of Canada while running a $4 billion surplus, while at the same time 
Minister Schweitzer, the Attorney General in the province of Alberta, is doing a rural crime tour and he's finding out that the consequences of the economic downturn and the lack of growth in the energy sector is having real consequences on crime, the expansion of the opioid crisis that's happening in communities and rural poverty. There are real problems that Jason is trying to assert and to be offended by a block leader saying you can't expand west, forget Quebec, is something that Jason should absolutely push back against. Well, he certainly is. I should say, of course, that the Harper government with Jason Kenney in it were the one that negotiated that equalization uh, structure that he, he doesn't like right now. But Kathleen, what do you make of this? I mean, these, this language is very hot stuff, this rhetoric. What do you make yeah. of it all? Well, it, it is so inflammatory, and I, you know, I think there's lots of obnoxious to go around, if you want to use that word, you know. Um, it really worries me. Uh, is the country more divided than it's ever been? I, I don't think so. What I do know is that, and I was, with, I was actually with uh, former Premier Notley the other night, and, you know, the reality is that people in Alberta are hurting. I know that. We know that. We know that uh, the recovery has not happened, that their economy is very challenged. We get that. But I, I think the question has to be, in the long run, are we, are we better hanging together? And do we have that conversation? Or do we continue to fan the flames of, you know, some kind of illusory separation or, um, you know, even, even stronger, more autonomy? I don't know the answer to that. My position would be we are better off if we can find a way to work together. You know, I, I, the collapse of the cod fishery in Newfoundland was a huge blow, and I know that that is a compelling argument when we look at how this country has been able to hang together and that we are better off. So I would say, I would say to Mr. Kenny, is there some other, is there some other reason that it's in your best interest to fan these flames, or is it really just about getting to a place where you can have a reasonable conversation with the rest of the country? Uh, Jason, well, just, just gauge this stuff for me, because like Jason Kennedy's talking about, we want an Alberta, our own pension plan, we need to change equalization. I get a lot of that stuff. I know he's got an austerity budget there as well, but how realistic are these? I'm, I'm not suggesting alienation is not realistic or anger is not realistic. How realistic is this, quote, go it alone stuff that he's throwing out there? Well, look, obviously there's going to be this panel who's going to assess and report back in the spring. But with respect, you know, I don't, I don't recall when the cod fishery collapsed, people saying to Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, you know, just, just calm down. You know, you're being too hot with your rhetoric. Quebec after the 95 referendum, just, just calm down. You're being too hot with your rhetoric. Ontarians with the threat of collapse of the auto sector and the rest of Canada put in hundreds of millions of dollars in corporate welfare to, to sustain a critical industry. But they were angry about it. And people didn't say, Ontario, just sit down and just, just cool your jets a little bit. But we do say that to Alberta and Saskatchewan. Well, nobody said it's anything. It's not appropriate. <laughs> and, and look, but no, but look, you know, look, with you know, Kathleen, you know, Jason is a federalist. And he be does believe, like I do, you do, I think all of us do, that, the, that Canada, the sum is absolutely larger and more powerful and better than its constituent right. parts. However, it doesn't mean that you right. just sit tight with the status quo. And what Jason's trying to do is to get ahead of this rising anger in the West. And it's not just rising anger about the status quo of substantive policies, but frankly, the insult that's layered on top of it, of course, with, frankly, Justin Trudeau getting elected by saying, if he's elected prime minister, you, Quebecers, you need to elect me, he says only in French, in order to stand up to all Alberta and the oil industry. He did that. So there's a layer of not only antagonism, but a sense that if with Justin Trudeau getting reelected, nothing will change. And it's on the it's on the mandate and responsibility of the prime minister of this country to ensure that he walks that back substantively so Albertans feel at home in Canada. All right. How does he do that? Kathleen, we respond to that because what does he do? Does he just, is it just a matter of getting the Trans Mountain pipeline built and that lowers the temperature a bit? Or what's your sense of this? 
you know what, I, I, don't, I don't know what the specific tactic is other than uh, there obviously has to be an acknowledgement on the part of the government, which there will be, there absolutely will be, um, that, that the solutions for Alberta's economy have to be rooted in the, uh, the ability of Alberta to, to get, its, get its resources to Tidewater. How does that happen? How does that economy, how does that economy survive the transition that we're in? Because we are in a transition. And, and James, you know, I know you know that, and I know that Jason Kenny knows that. It's very tough. The Alberta economy is not as diversified as it needs to be. That's a reality, just like Newfoundland's wasn't as diversified as it needed to be. And so there has to be a, a supported solution. But that's only going to happen if the rhetoric can calm down. And, and to be fair, James, as the auto sector collapsed in Ontario, we, you know, we had a different situation, a different economy, but there was not angry heated rhetoric blaming other parts of the country that's not how that's not how it rolled out nor is it the way it it would have uh, it, it's going to find a solution with Alberta so uh, I think there has to be a step back from that language okay I got 10 seconds James we're just a lot of people are saying this about the divisiveness just real quick are we in a national unity crisis yet yes or no no um, you know, if you, you look at the conscription crisis, the quiet revolution, the 80 referendum, the 95 referendum, but we have real divisions. They've been there since 1867. They endure, and the responsibility of the Prime Minister of Canada is to bring Canadians together. That will be the challenge when he puts together a new cabinet next week, and this coming week, rather. Kathleen Wynne and James Moore, great to have both of you on, on a very consequential issue facing the country right now. And coming up, the response after a week of meeting federal leaders, what compromises is Mr. Trudeau ready to make in order for his government to survive. Minister John Wilkinson from BC, born in Saskatchewan, joins us next to find out. Stay right here with Question Period. We told him what we would like to see in the throne speech. Uh, we told him uh, what we expected uh, based on the fact, uh, you know, the, the support our party got in the last election and, uh, and, and, the, and the very real needs to help bring this country close together. To seek our support, it's going to mean that there's some real, real concrete steps that make people's lives better. We had some areas of agreement and some areas of disagreement. At no surprise there. Parliament returns on December 5th, and the Liberals need the support of some opposition parties in order to survive. So the courtship begins. Now, the Prime Minister, as you just saw, met with all the federal leaders and some premiers trying to find, as he says, common ground. But is there common ground when the government has given no signs of making any formal concessions? Will the government become the head waiter to the provinces and the opposition and serve up what they're ordering or simply present their own menu? and see what happens. Let's find out. Joining me now is the Fisheries and Oceans Minister and a BC Cabinet Minister for now, uh, Jonathan Wilkinson. Great to see you, sir. Thank you. Um, okay, let me just quickly start with uh, Scott Moe, the Saskatchewan Premier. Um, he and Jason Kenney very unhappy. They've made very specific demands. Uh, delay the carbon tax for a year. Um, change the what they call the no pipelines bill on environmental assessments. Um, the answer is no. He said he's disappointed. What do you give? What will concessions will your government make to Mr. Kenny and Mr. Mo? Well, I think you know the results of the election were such that, as everybody knows, there were no uh, no uh, Liberal MPs elected in Saskatchewan and Alberta. Um, and I think that it is incumbent on us to, to be listening to the voices from uh, from those provinces to try to ensure that we are understanding some of the concerns that obviously uh, people have there. And that we're looking to respond in thoughtful and substantive ways. 
But, you know, I would say to you that the fundamental issue uh, with respect to Alberta and Saskatchewan is this nexus between climate change and fighting climate change and the role of hydrocarbons on a go-forward basis. And I think that we need to have conversations about what an energy transition look li looks like, how we get to net zero by 2050, which is what the client uh, scientists are telling us that we must. But how do we do that in a way that Saskatchewan and Alberta will continue to have a robust but, and prosperous okay. economy? Uh, sounds good, but we had that conversation for four years already. Then we just had an election, which is an elaborate conversation, and they turfed you guys out of their two provinces. And they're now saying, listen to us. They've made very, sp like, I, I get this high level, we need to listen. We've done that. The listening, now you've heard them. They want, so let's just find out what's off the table. One, is it off the table to delay the carbon tax by a year for Saskatchewan, yes or no? So the carbon, the price on pollution is something that we've been talking about for a long time. 99 out of 100 economists will tell you it's the most efficient way to reduce uh, emissions. It applies across this country. It makes no sense to try to exempt one province or another. Um, it is something that is part of a, 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 an aggressive approach to addressing climate change. So we are moving forward with the price on pollution. That being said, right. we want to ensure that we are listening to the concerns of Saskatchewan and Alberta. We want to ensure that we are thoughtful about the economic transition for those provinces. Well, and we're going to do that. Okay, but what is that's like, you know, when you talk to your parents, uh, oh, I heard you, the answer is no. So no one delaying it for a year. What about re-changing what both Alberta and Saskatchewan call the No More Pipelines Bill, C-69, which was the new assessment bill. So they say it will make sure that nothing outside of maybe Trans Mountain, if that, gets built. Are you open, to, is your government open to rethinking that? So what we have said is we are looking for constructive suggestions uh, from provincial leaders, but from others across the country as well. And, and we will take into account constructive suggestions that are made. I would say, you know, Premier Pallister was in town uh, and, yeah. and I think brought forward a lot of thoughtful comments with respect to how we can use fighting climate change as a nation-building approach. I think we're looking for those kinds of constructive suggestions. Yeah, if there are ways in which just, we... just to be fair, I spoke to him. He, he said I asked them to count the Manitoba way instead of the price on carbon of, of cutting emissions, he said they're not doing that. So again, I'm just trying to figure out if this is all a word bath. You're listening, looking for constructive suggestions, but fundamentally you guys are still governing like you're a majority and you're not. But that, that's simply not true. I mean, part of what we have to do coming out of an election campaign where we were reduced to a minority is to be open to listening. And that's exactly what the Prime Minister has been doing through the meetings he's been having with the Premiers and with the opposition leaders. We need to reflect on what we've heard and then move forward in a way that tries to to build consensus and collaboration. With respect to Bill C-69, which is an improvement on the environmental assessment process that was gutted under Stephen Harper in 2012, we, we are open to a conversation around how that bill is implemented if there are constructive suggestions that are brought forward by other parties. Okay, so I, I don't hear a lot of leeway, maybe we're open, but let, let me go to what Andrew Scheer, uh, Jugmeet Singh, Elizabeth May, and the other leaders want. Again, they want those same things, is there anything after this listening tour, and we all watch the meetings, is there one thing that the Prime Minister emerged and said, you know what, we've got to rethink this. What is one thing that these meetings changed from your government's perspective? Well, as I say, I mean, these meetings were about actually listening and reflecting. So I think an immediate response is probably not the right thing for any prime minister or any government to do. And part of what we will be doing once the new cabinet is sworn in next week uh, is having the conversations about how do we respond. But I would say, you know, there's a lot more consensus than I think many people believe. Uh, if you look at the party platforms in, uh, in the campaign, I mean, the NDP campaigned on pharmacare and on affordable housing. So did the Liberal Party of Canada. So did the Green Party. There are
There are a number of areas. Okay, I mean, so, I so mean, give me something specific. I talked to Mr. Singh was on this program just before you. I said, do you are you demanding a firm date when they're going to do National Pharmacare and how much money? He said, well, we I didn't get any details. So finally, you campaigned on it. Will there be National Pharmacare in this mandate? So as I say, I mean, part of what this was about was listening to what Mr. Singh and Ms. May and Mr. Shear would like to see going forward. We don't have a new government sworn in yet, so that is something that will be happening next week. And what we need to do at that point is the relevant ministers will have to reflect on the input that they've received from the, the opposition leaders and to try to ensure that we're moving forward. You will need support to survive. The, the block kind of jammed you guys. Mr. Blanchet came out and said, I'm going to support them as long as they don't stick their nose in, in Quebec's business on the secularization bill. So you know you can survive with the block support. But that gives Mr. Singh and Mr. Shear the opportunity to say, we don't need to support these guys, and you guys will be in bed with a separatist party. And that could look politically toxic. Is that, would your government be okay if it's a liberal block uh, vote to support your speech on the throne and that's it? Or do you think that will increase divisions across this country? Well, I think Canadians would be incredibly disappointed if the leader of the Conservative Party and the leader of the NDP simply take the position that they're not going to actually work, uh, work collaboratively going forward. Part of the message, I think, to all political leaders coming out of this campaign was Canadians want us to work together. They want to dial down the rhetoric. They want us to actually find a basis for cooperation going forward. There are areas in which there is, there is certainly possibility of cooperation amongst all of the parties, and we're going to work to try to ensure that we, we garner as much support as we can. Okay, last question. There's lots of cabinet speculation. I assume you're in Ottawa next week. I'm just going to say it. If you're sitting around Ottawa, sir, you got to be in cabinet. You're a Western voice. Uh, I know you can't say anything, but should, is it going to be, is anybody there going to represent Alberta and Saskatchewan? You have no voices there. That's going to be the big question. There are lots of different ways to try to ensure that we are hearing voices from Saskatchewan uh, and from Alberta. Uh, the Prime Minister has a number of different tools available to him. But I would say to you, even, even in the, the context of no formal representation in Cabinet, there are a number of different ministers, including myself, who I cannot speak for the people in Saskatchewan in the sense that I don't represent the ridings uh, in Saskatchewan. But I grew up there. I worked for the Premier of Saskatchewan. I, I did intergovernmental affairs for Saskatchewan. I was a constitutional negotiator for Saskatchewan during the Charlottetown process. I feel very close to that province and certainly I am my personally uh, very committed to ensuring that those voices are heard around the table. Wow okay maybe that's the credibility but we'll see I think we'll see you at Rideau Hall Wednesday we'll find out but I appreciate this thank you so much. Thank you. All right that's Minister Wilkinson coming up the Bloc Quebecois leader is setting the agenda he could be the balance of power for Justin Trudeau but he's also picking a fight with the West. How will the new minority government work with a separatist leader in the new parliament. The Scrum is coming up next. Our special guest is the former Montreal mayor and former Liberal cabinet minister, Denny Coderre. Stay right here with Question Period. I still believe that Quebec will do better when it becomes a country. So I'm not the one that will fight to have a nice, beautiful and united Canada. Well, there he is, Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet. He may have skirted around the Quebec sovereignty question during the election campaign, but if his meeting with the Prime Minister last week is any indication, he's more than ready to talk about it now in a big way. Blanchet made it clear that he thinks Quebec is way better off on its own and that he's not prepared to help the alienated Prairie Premier. Now, here's the rub. Blanchet may be the only lifeline for the survival of the Liberal minority government. So how will the Prime Minister nah. find common ground with the Separatist Party, especially with a leader who's happily poking angry Western Premiers 
in the pipeline. Is the age of separatism back? Let's bring in the scrum to find out. Tonda McCharles is a senior reporter with the Toronto Star. Joyce Napier is CTV's Ottawa bureau chief. Craig Oliver is CTV's chief political commentator. That wave is patented. And our special guest for this round is former Liberal cabinet minister and the former mayor of Montreal, Denny Coderre. Great to have all of you here. Let's start with Denny Coderre. Great Pleasure. to see you back here, by the way. And welcome to the program. What did you make of this a war of words between Mr. Blanchet and uh, Premier Kenny? Are they fanning separatist flames here? No, they have, I think, uh, both their own agenda uh, because probably Kenny will have, uh, you know, austerity uh, uh, that's coming and uh, he tried to diverse and uh, tried to put some oil on fire. And uh, you have Blanchet, you know, he's a separatist, but he's a bit in the catch-22 because uh, People in Quebec doesn't want to hear anything about referendum and, and sovereignty, but he's, he's stuck with his own uh, rhetoric. So, uh, and, you know, I used to say from the block that uh, they were from uh, passion to pension. But clearly, there is poli some political game. I can understand that there's some frustration. There's been regionalism since the bloc and uh, the Reform Party. Right. We, we, you know, this is a, another uh, Reform uh, okay. Party jo agenda. Jo Joyce wants to jump in. Joyce. See, but, but these are two politicians that are convenient to one another. Um, Mr. Mr. Uh, uh, Kenny out west is helping um, Blanchet's argument in Quebec, right? So they're helping each other. They're fanning the, the, the flames of provincial discontent. First of all, uh, Mr. Blanchet is not a premier and he's not a prime minister. He's just one of the opposition leaders. But whatever Kenny says, and if he can provoke Kenny, he can go back home and start creating the conditions, perhaps, because he said it during the campaign as well as mm -hmm. when he met mm -hmm. the prime minister. That is his ultimate goal. He has never right. hidden it in his speeches in French, and I'm I'm sure Mr. Coder was listening to them as much as I was. He was talking about sovereignty he, and separation. He, so these two men are so perfectly convenient to each other because they both can make their points by saying, but, you right. see, Bl you see how... Blanchet yeah, put but let's his put colors. it this way. We're but, talking about here. Uh, really uh, Craig, let me just, hang on, let me oh. get Craig in here. Craig. I just want to say that Blanchet put his separatist colors on the wall. And in doing so, in a sense, he reduced Trudeau's options. In, in other words, he is seen now, for the separatist he is, saying that openly, attacking Alberta oil, uh, and Trudeau can no longer depend on him as one of the Why people not? he can go to for support. Because Trudeau cannot be seen now to be going to keep his government alive with a separatist leader from Quebec. Well, that's interesting because Blanchet has openly said, look, I am happy to support um, the Liberal government, as long as they don't stick their nose in on the secularization bill. So, Justin Trudeau does have support there, but yeah, is no, it politically and, toxic and if fact, that's his only support? And, and in fact, actually, I mean, if you think about it, uh, Mr. Trudeau, when necessary, can still find common ground, even with Monsieur Blanchet. Yes. And I don't agree that it risks blowing up the whole separatist uh, issue anymore. Decentralization is uh, a uh, an area in which Mr. Trudeau may be able to address some of the concerns of both Alberta and Saskatchewan and Quebec uh, and and still pull, hold everything together. I think that he can rely on the BQ from time to time, but mostly his negotiating partner will be the NDP in this parliament. What a gift maybe for the, the Conservatives. Maybe the Conservatives on tax Okay, hang on. Danny Coderre wants to jump in. Danny. Hold on, hold on. Let's put it this way, okay? You have Kenny who wants to, uh, doesn't want to sound like a separatist, 
but using separatism uh, or the mm -hmm. Wexit, whatever they call it there, yeah. for his own agenda. Okay, that's point number one. Point number two, the, the person who's in hands right now who can have a lot of options and uh, be there uh, on the long run is Justin Trudeau himself because uh, he doesn't depend on one party. It is right, a strong exactly. minority government. That's one point. Secondly, Blanchet, you know, he's stuck a bit. Uh, of course he's a separatist, but no uh, you cannot go there. too far because no. you have Legault now in Quebec, and uh, now we will have to make a, an understanding in the rest of Canada between nationalism and separatism. So you will have, you will have some time, they will use nationalism. Of course, you have a bunch of separatists with the Bloc Québécois, and he has to please his own people, but we're talking about 25% uh, in Quebec of separatists. So we've got to be careful here. But you know, and, both uh, of them Remember want in the, the past thing. when uh, Gilles Duceppe, Jack Layton, and Stéphane Dion signed the agreement right. together against Harper whatsoever? Yeah. I mean, it's not the first time that happened. Right, Joyce. Well, you know, they both, they want the same thing. They want more powers, like, like Tonda was saying, more powers to the provinces. That's what Mr. Kenny wants. That's what Blanchet wants. So somewhere, they see eye to eye, and they use each other to make but that what, point. What, so tell me the and consequence the pressure of that. on Trudeau will be that. Okay, so what's the consequence, Craig? Because yeah. you've got, I want to focus on Mr. Kenny for a minute. Because yeah. he said to Blanchet uh, and to Quebec, don't complain about... Don't complain about us and block our pipeline and then, quote, take our money. This goes back to the, the, whoa, whoa, the, the, whoa. the yeah. issue on equalization. What do you whoa, make whoa, of where whoa. Mr. Kenny's, what he's unleashing or talking about here, Craig? Kenny is riding a tiger if he's not careful uh, because he is encouraging, he's exploiting uh, a fringe in uh, Alberta uh, of a move toward separating Alberta from the rest of the country. Uh, if he if that happens, if if there's a prairie fire develops there the way Manning's Reform Party did, those votes aren't going to come from the Liberals. Those votes are going to come from the Conservative Party and away from Kenny. He's got to be very careful with it. And this. also the equalization formula that he's harping against, pardon the pun, was Harper's government yeah. uh, equalization formula. Yeah. So he is the one. He was in cabinet at the time and now he's talking about it as though it was this strange object that is is a bothersome object that he himself negotiated. He's got to, you know, he asked uh, Blanchet to pick a lane. Maybe he should pick a lane as well. I think that the other concern around Two points. all of this, but, but Denny, I, I just want to say, you, you, Denny said yeah, earlier Can I talk that, about equalization? Well, just one second. Not right away. Hey, because, on. yeah, no, equalization we can come to, but, but listen, well, you talked about, but you talked about, we've been here before, we've seen this before, but in fact, here's the difference. When we've seen previous separatism movements or previous Western alienation movements, we haven't seen them in, an, yeah. in, a, in a, a global media culture that fans flames and amplifies sentiments till they get out of control of leaders. And we saw it in Brexit. We've, we've seen it with yes. the Trump election. We've seen, we have potentially a pretty dangerous situa situation. If this country can't control some of these sentiments that can be addressed through policy. Yeah, I mean, there's a well, difference between things. alienation and separation. Okay, last word to you, yeah. uh, Danny Coderre. Three, uh, two things very fast. First of all, yes, of course, you have to be careful because you have that uh, way now through global media where you put oil on fire and you see Bradwell won his election against Quebec that way. But let me be factual for once and for all. Equalization. Uh, out of the $332 million billion dollars that, uh, that, pro that federal program uh, is issued, $47 billion are coming from Alberta. Out of it, $13 billion are going to, to Quebec. So it means that 14% of the uh, overall money uh, is coming from Alberta. So 
the, 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 the real numbers between Alberta and Quebec is not 12 to 13 billion dollars, it's 1.8 billion dollars. So I think that if we cut that rhetoric and we're more factual, we will, we will witness that maybe Alberta, who are kind of jealous of some of the powers Oof. that Quebec has and would like to have for that kind of autonomy, I think that if we put all the numbers together, maybe Mr. Kenny should talk about what happened with the Peter Lougheed uh, Heritage Fund that would have been a great way to diversify his own economy mm -hmm. and uh, build up because now they're talking about their own pension plan and stuff yeah. like that. And we create La Caisse de Depot and Plasma uh, in Quebec with our pension, uh, our own wow. pension plan. So okay. you see, we've got to be really careful here. And let's put uh, the, the real facts uh, and cut the rhetoric because there's a lot of people who maybe have their own political agenda for the future in uh, Ottawa. All right, before we start comparing, I would say the number that matters right now to Alberta is, you know how much they're getting from equalization? Zero. And that's probably one of the big issues. All right, uh, I got to leave it there, though. Denny Coderre, good to have you here. Maybe making a little news there. Uh, the rest of the scrum is staying put. <laughs> Coming up, compromise or contempt. Does the minority liberal government make concessions to other leaders or not? We'll find out when we're joined by Lisa Raitt. Next, stay here with Question Period. Handshake. Nice to see you. <laughs> Thank you. Those look so natural, those handshakes. They came, they talked. Then what? The first posturing and flexing in a minority parliament has clearly started as opposition leaders met with the Prime Minister and laid out their demands for what they want to see in order to support the upcoming speech from the throne. So what will the Liberals do and who has emerged as the real balance of power, if anyone? Let's find out. The Scrum is back. Tony McCharles is back. Joyce Napier is back. Craig Oliver is back. And our special guest this round is the former Conservative Deputy Leader, Lisa Raitt. Great to have you on the program, Lisa Raitt, who's been a minister in a minority government. What does Justin Trudeau need to do to change in order to survive as a minority government after all those meetings? Well, I don't know whether or not this is about surviving as a minority government. This is about putting in the window a government that's going to perhaps convince the Canadian public to give them a majority when they eventually go to the polls in a couple of years or in a 16 months or however long they decide they're going to be there. So it's very important picks. He um, Clearly, the cabinet that he had in place may have worked in one sense, but it didn't give him a majority government. So he should be taking a look clearly at who he needs to put in the window in important positions to get that kind of confidence back of the Canadian public to give him a majority. All right, so let's talk about cabinet, Tonda. Uh, you know, what do you do? You're a minority government. The other parties say they want to work together. They clearly just want to take you down. That's the way this thing works in a certain amount of time. <laughs> really? You're so cynical. I'd like to think it's going to work towards uh, some good things for the voters. We're, like we're <laughs> literally, Lisa is talking about the next election and we haven't even started yeah. this parliament. <laughs> okay, so no, what does he do? Politics. What does he do? What does he do? Just Is it all just rainbows and unicorns? <laughs> no, but I think that there has to be a good faith effort to try and reach out and uh, implement some of the things where they do agree on. We're going to see for sure the middle class tax cut right that's the first thing Trudeau says he's going to do the conservatives want that they may not agree with some of the iterations that he's going to propose right. but how can they vote against that they both campaigned on it there's going to be some movement towards farmer care his government will survive if he gives the NDP but that. he needs a competent so, government he needs sure. ministers who are Absolutely. competent he can't have any more ethical yeah. issues he can't have any yeah. more so who do you say goes, right? who goes so to do that he's got to bring in ministers who he knows yeah 
were confident in their jobs before. He's got to bring yeah. in some outsiders, maybe from the back benches who've served well. Uh, people like Steve McKinnon, who are pretty smart, yep. uh, who can help him out. But he's got to go for competence uh, and stability yeah. if he's going to have a minority government. He's got to go for a House leader who really knows what he or she is doing. No disagreement. And also, uh, he has to keep in mind his regional realities, and that is always an imperative always. for a cabinet. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he, he needs to do that, but he needs to be careful. He has a minority, and, and keeping the opposition happy is important. But when you're in a minority government, you have to keep your own people happy. Uh, more mm -hmm. so than if you're in a majority. So he'll have to be doubly careful when he appoints these ministers and the parliamentary secretaries because there are going to be some disgruntled people who will sit in the back benches and who won't be happy, right. and he mm -hmm. doesn't need that either. Yeah. So it is going to be for him like a three-ring circus with right. so and, many and Stephen imperatives, Harper, Stephen, right? Stephen Harper, Lisa, will remember this, managed yeah. minority governments yeah. by clamping down on his caucus and really uh, controlling committees and uh, controlling ministers and leading from the center. I don't know if Trudeau will do well, that. He can't right. control well, committees yeah, anymore. Control that committees. is exactly. one of his major problems. But controlling the way they, they conduct themselves on the committees. Okay, so there, were, said, there was yeah. handbooks around it. Yeah, we'll talk about that because yeah. conservatives and the opposition will control some of the committees. I expect they'll bring back yeah. SNC. They'll be, those kind yeah. of committees will be a lot more difficult. What will Trudeau's biggest challenge be as he presents over his first minority government. I think it's going to have to be about picking the right justice minister, and not because of SNC-Lavalin, but because of the extradition hearing that's happening in British Columbia. That is going to set the tone for trade and foreign relations well into the next five years. So they have to get that right minister in there who's strong, who can explain the decision one way or the other, and who can work with the foreign minister in making sure that whomever the audience is, the U.S. or China, is going to understand what's happening in Canada with respect to that matter. I think it's really important. Okay, let me just say, that's David Lametti now. He replaced Jody Wilson Raywell. He's from uh, Montreal, Craig. Yeah. Uh, pretty new there, so maybe he's on the hot seat. Then there's, there's Captain McKenna. Probably time for her to leave the environment, although she, the Liberals want to reward her. What yeah. do you, Bill Morneau, uh, he's had his controversies, but you don't dump your finance minister in a minority government. So, uh, who, what's on the board for I Trudeau? think you keep your foreign minister where she is, and I, I think you leave your finance minister where he is, too. Those jobs are too important to fool around with, and mm -hmm. he should send his finance minister out west. He's the guy that bought a pipeline, and he should find Aboriginal people to sell it to. Uh, to get them on board with getting this pipeline built. That is really Trudeau's single most important priority, and, and getting that damn pipeline. And why not musical wow. chairs if it's a minority government? Who said he had to keep the finance minister where he is? How about Christian Freeland in finance and Morneau in foreign affairs, two high-profile ministers? For they were both good at what they were doing. What? First woman finance minister could be oh, interesting. Yeah. Out west, she understands those realities. She's from out there. There are reasons why mm -hmm. you would yeah. put her in finance, plus she knows the file. Yeah, I guess I, what I hear, and again, Lisa can talk about this, but Tonda is... You know, when a government can fall at any time on a speech mm -hmm. from the throne, you don't want a rookie finance minister. That's what I've heard. But even though I think they would have probably replaced Morneau in a majority government, yeah. you never you never know that. But who's yeah. on the table for you? Like, what would be on the on the block? Look, I agree with everything that's been said. I think throw into that mix. I think you could move a player like Harjit Sajjan out, weak communicator, weak communicator in defense. I think Mr. Morneau has been a weak mm -hmm. communicator in finance. I've said that before, but I honestly don't think he's going to move. I would love to see Freeland in that job. But I honestly don't see those jobs happening yet, those switches happening yet, because still there's yeah. such unfinished things. Uh, Lisa can 
speak to it, but I mean, I think that the, the pipeline, Craig is right, the pipeline issue should be shepherded by Bill Morneau. He's the one who financed it, right? Um, and and NAFTA's not done, let's not forget. And so I think that Freeland is the skilled one on China, right. world, global instability, and on NAFTA. Lisa, let me talk about, we've talked about Mr. Trudeau, and I think Craig's right, he probably needs an early win to set the tone, and maybe it is the pipeline. Yeah. What about Mr. Scheer? He's facing his own internal troubles. What does he need to do as the leader of the opposition to burnish his credentials and maybe save his job in April? He's got to show statesmanship when he rises in the House to critique the speech from the throne. He's got to pick the things that are good and highlight the things that are bad. But as well, he's got to match up a shadow cabinet that's going to look good compared to the cabinet that Mr. Trudeau is going to put forward, mm -hmm. that can meet them and match them on a one-on-one on -on -one basis and highlight those players as well so that he truly looks like a government in waiting. And as well, I would say one last thing. The tone is going to be so important rolling into this new parliament and on both sides on all sides we have to see whether or not the liberals are going to be back to their arrogant ways of taking pot shots and we'll have to see whether or not the conservatives can actually control their desire to take their shots at the government as well people are going to be looking at how they interact with one another to determine how they're going to be feeling and i think impressions will be made in that first six weeks a lot of this is going to depend on the atmosphere generally. And I'm having trouble with the idea that this is a national full-blown crisis. I think we're having the wrong conversation. 66% of Canadians have said they support that pipeline to, uh, to Asia from the West Coast. Uh, the maj great majority of Canadians have voted for political parties, two-thirds, that say they support uh, a, a, Price carbon, a carbon tax. There are any other number of issues on which we can agree on resource development at the same time as we're building pipelines. And we, we just have to be having a better conversation. Our problem now is how to get there. It's not what we agree or don't agree on. All right. Uh, this is what we call Optimism Sunday here before the December <laughs> 5th Parliament gets back. But it's good to see that. All right. Maybe I'll just check my skepticism out the door. Thanks, all of you. Uh, Lisa Ray, great to see you here. Tonda Joyce and Thank Craig, you, thanks for that. There's a shot of optimism in a cold November. Thank you for watching. We will be watching the cabinet swearing in very closely on Wednesday. You know what they say, the people who know don't talk and the people who talk don't know. So take that with a grain of salt. CTV News will bring you everything live on the CTV News Channel special. And we will be back here in seven short days to sort it all out. Take good care.